Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Welcome to Audio Book Club. I'm your host, Imriel Morgan, the founder of Content is Queen. Audio Book Club is a monthly event and podcast where we celebrate and discuss Black, Asian, queer and female narratives in literature. Every month, we meet with other audiobook ones to discuss an audiobook recommended by you. But, and it's a big one, you can still attend the live event even if you've read and not listened to the book. We'll share our live discussion in every episode, followed by an interview and Q&A with a featured guest. If we're lucky, we'll have the author. But expect to hear from voice actors, directors, editors, and even book critics. Join us for our next live event and taping on Sunday, January 24th at 4pm GMT, where we'll be getting stuck into Queenie by Candice Carty-Williams. You can register to attend at contentisqueen.org forward slash ABC2. The link is also in the show notes. If you can't make it, feel free to send your thoughts and even your questions to us on WhatsApp via plus four four seven seven one five four zero double eight three one. That's O double seven one five four zero double eight three one. Oh, and apologies in advance, but you'll have to expect some spoilers. So if you haven't listened to the book, but you plan to, you might want to switch off now. This week, we're discussing the Audible original podcast and audio drama Hellcats, written by Karina Rodney. Hellcats tells the story of two fearless female pirates, Anne Bonny and Mary Reed. Their adventures on the high seas quickly see them embroiled in a queer love affair, all while being hunted by their mounting list of enemies. Here's what you can expect to hear in the show. Our love for the music. I did like the whole running theme of a sea shanty going through and like the songs. Our thoughts on the violence. I was bloodthirsty and I was ready for him to die. I would love to see this on stage. Revelations from our featured guest, Karina Rodney. They would spend a fortune when they came into port, like the equivalent of thousands of pounds on a night out and they would be completely pimped up with gold and jewels. All this and so much more. First up, let's meet this week's audio bookworms. All aboard. With me on today's audio book club, who are keen to talk about everything Hellcats, it's Ellie and Amber. Please introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Ellie and I work in radio. Hi, I'm Amber and I edit podcasts. Brilliant. How appropriate that you're both here. Can you describe the experience of listening to Hellcats? Yeah, so I just really enjoyed it. I knew within the first few minutes of listening to it that actually it was something that was very different to the other sort of audiobooks that I had listened to recently. And very quickly I realised it was something that I wanted to give more concentration to. So it wasn't just going to be a background listen, it was going to be something that I really concentrated on. And I think that's down to the way that it really throws you into it and the really great scripting and performances that really draw you in. Mm, I agree. I definitely felt that way. It is definitely one that you have to 
concentrate on throughout Mm -hmm. there's just no way you could just be doing something else because you feel like you're missing crucial plot points and the first episode because it drops you right in the center of everything from the sound design to the background story of the two women you're just like what is going on sorry what did I just miss and then I found myself having to skip back so I think I listened to episode one or started episode (laughs) one at least three times because I was just like wait a second I was too distracted and so in the end I gave up on multitasking and just engaged with it as a drama that I had to kind of sit and watch without actually watching anything. Yeah, I think also there's so many characters. It's a really full world. So it's like you said, the thing is, if you're not concentrating and then they introduce a new character, then you find yourself being like, oh my God, who is this? And then actually it turns out they're really important. (laughs) You're having to go back. Yeah. What about you, Amber? Yeah, I think it lived up to all my expectations. I liked how you were saying it's very immersive and it's very cinematic. I really like audio dramas and I see this as more of an audio drama than it is an audio book because there's so much going on. You've got so much soundscape and everything like that and you are really thrown into it. On this day of October 20th, 1720, by command of Governor Woods Rogers of New Providence, a reward is offered for the capture of Captain Jack Rackham and his brace of Hellcats, Anne Bonny and Mary Reed, for piracy and looting. his Hellcats? We don't belong to Jack or any man. Bloody cheek! I thought Hellcats had quite the ring to it. Ah, perhaps. And how much is the good governor offering for our capture? 500 guineas. For both of us? And Jack. The governor has dragged him in too. He cannot be seen to be chasing after only women. (laughs) It'll take more than posters and reward-chasing cowards to bring Anne, Bonnie and Mary Reed to heel. I will face down the bastards who would drag us back. I will not play their part again. Never. Those petticoats are long since burned. Come on, my best girl. Drink and sing with me. For soon we sail. To us, Mary. To us. Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed. The Hellcats. Hellcats! also like how even though there's like 50 is it 52 characters in the, in the piece something mad like that but you are able to distinguish every character it was easy to follow in that sense like I wasn't lost by everyone entering yeah I thought that was a good point actually because the accents are varied so you've mm. got like Jamaican American British Irish and different regions of the UK thrown together into this so it does feel quite distinct so you can follow along I think I'd probably struggled with the lesser characters voices so like yeah the French actors I was like are they French are they (laughs) I'm not sure that sounds sounds a bit hammy but the French actors that came about when Anne pretends to be a ghost who's killed a man in a boat but it's really a mannequin Um, and the French actors are like the pig's heart yeah and the French sailors are just like no we're not going to this haunted boat like we don't want to die but those are probably the only like dodgy accents but they were still distinct Mm. enough for me to know that these are different people I thought the main cast was amazing though yes oh Oh, my god Although we kind of, do we disagree, Emeril? I think I really like Jack Rackham, but you didn't like him as much as I did. No. Well, you told me you fancied him a bit. I didn't. Did I say that? You I did. did the, um, I just really thought the voice actor really embodied how I pictured Jack Rackham being. Uh, will you be needing this? 
Or do you intend to throw both your shoes at the richest man in New Providence? And who are you? Captain Jack Rackham, at your service. And Barney. Oh, the bloody things have been killing me all night. He can keep them. He paid for them. Chidley Bayard is a man who will have his pound of flesh. He bought my clothes only. My body is my own to give. I pity the man who sees both spirit and beauty in a woman and only values the quality that fades with time. Well, you are a rare breed, Jack. Allow me to escort you home before Governor Woods Rogers changes his mind about punishing you. You cannot walk back in bare feet. <laughs> Fine. But I'm warning you. You keep your hands to yourself. As you wish. On the promise that you will meet me tomorrow. And will you be amusing company, Jack? Oh, yeah, always. I mean, it's why I get invited to such fine parties. <laughs> and one of my favourite clips in the whole book, basically, is because of his character. <laughs> I think Jonathan Bailey, who plays Jack Rackham, is a great actor in general. I don't know if you've seen Crashing. I have not. No, I haven't. Um, he's been in a couple Channel 4 sitcoms. Crashing was with Phoebe Rollerbridge, and his whole persona in that show too was very Jack Rackham. Oh, wow. I mean, if Jack Rackham was like, do you want to sail away with me? I don't know that I would say no. Oh, see? So how, <laughs> how was I incorrect in this assumption? <laughs> I, I was not taken in by Jack at all. I don't think I had like you don't want to do an Anne Bonny no I just run don't away. honestly I don't know that I even had um I guess this kind of moves us quite nicely into characters anyway because I'm not sure I actually liked any of the characters that much I kind of really liked the story as a whole I'd say if I had to pick a favorite I'd pick Pierre <laughs> it's like a secondary character <laughs> yeah don't be rude Pierre, I was, love Pierre, Pierre was moving that plot line along thank you very much he kept that thing pacing that's true that story would have ended quite quickly plus I think the actor that plays him Fasayo he's bloody brilliant I was just like you know what there's a gay black man in the middle of this white as hell Providence town the only other black characters that feature are Jamaican who I also loved, by the way. I was just like, this is just hilarious. <laughs> Can I help you, my dear? I was just looking. Pierre Bouspay, designer and seller of the fine and feminine at your service. Oh, I'm Anne Barney, newly arrived in New Providence. Oh, a newlywed? A runaway? Both. How exciting. And has your new husband given you gold to spend? A little. Oh, a little can go a long way with such good raw materials. I want a bold look. I feel that is fitting in a town like this and for the wife of a pirate. Mm, you are right, my dear. New Providence is a place for boldness and for pirates and those who love them. <laughs> what do you think of our wild town? I think it is... Wonderfully alive. <laughs> I see we are going to get on well. Uh, let me show you what we have that'll set off that rich red hair of yours. I just thought he just moved it along and kept it funny and light. So when yeah. it got really mm. heavy and when Anne got just a bit too bratty, and I really yeah, disliked but she's her. She's like deeply unlikable, yeah, isn't she? Very much so. <laughs> oh, I really, I really hated her. It would be nice if someone liked her. <laughs> well, I hated that everyone died and she stayed alive. Yeah, I. <laughs> I was really bitter about it. I wanted I Mark gutted. Mary to stay. I know. Through. 
I know. Although I sort of had the ending ruined for me. So I listened to this on Audible and I went onto the, the Audible page and I saw a clue. <laughs> like they had the characters and then their dates they were alive. So then I obviously was like, well, all of these people have died at the same time and then Anne hasn't. So I have a pretty <laughs> oh. good idea of... I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I've got a pretty good idea about I know, <laughs> what's just, about to happen here. It's such a bittersweet ending. Cause I'm glad someone yeah. made it to tell the tale, obviously, because surely she is the reason why we might know about this today i don't know it did sound like she disappeared oh. i love the idea of her just going off to like a little hut in ireland or something and just living out her days i hope she did because why would she put herself in all that danger again with two kids because she can't be tamed who are you a friend of this child's mother she's a foundling with no kin oh that is not true this child is the daughter of a great pirate queen, Mary Reed, captain of the vanity. What is your name? Molly. Molly Parkin. Well, Molly, I am taking this child, as I promised Mary her daughter would be raised with love, and Mary and I always kept our promises to each other. But do you think she should have taken Mary's child? Yeah, but I don't know if that's real. Oh, do you know, you, we're not ask. sure, we should ask. We'll have to ask. Does she really take the child? I don't know. I, I really had a moment when she encountered the kid. And I mean, on one hand, I got it in that the child's father doesn't love her. Or well, he does love her, but mm. his wife doesn't. So she's probably going to suffer. I thought it was very mirroring of Anne's upbringing. Mm, yeah. Yeah, unnecessarily so, right? But I still don't feel that child would have been in better care with Anne. I'm just saying. I'm putting that out there. <laughs> Do we know how old Anne was at the pinnacle of this all happening? No. No, we don't. But I can't imagine that any of them would have been that old. I imagine them all being late teens, early 20s, because people died really young back then. <laughs> and they lived on the high seas. Maybe that's just me making bad assumptions about pirates. <laughs> what about Mary slash Mark? See, I liked Mary Mark. I feel like out of respect to their identity we should probably default to calling him mark yeah because they are transgender or he is transgender yeah or would they be non-binary in the fact that they're just happy in themselves that's true you have no need to lie to me it does not feel like a lie you're a woman i have never truly thought of myself as female or male just myself in a place in between feel my heart beating inside my shirt you are? Yes. Me too. Oh, how can you feel that way for me? If you are a woman, it is not right. It is not natural. It is natural, Anne. What is true is not inside these clothes. It is in my heart and my head. That is where my truth lives. Mm. I mostly really like them. I mean, the whole point is that they're super loyal, right? And then sometimes that was frustrating when they were being loyal to who was very clearly the wrong person to be loyal to. Oliver Marlowe could die. Yeah, and from the beginning, I was like, this guy is not it. <laughs> like, not it at all? And then all? when he portrayed, then it, you know, it was like all this shock and surprise. And I was like... He was a coward. This guy's a snake. Yeah. But I think it's just it was just one thing after another for them, though. Yeah. Early life was horrendous. Becomes a powder monkey. That's horrendous. Army's horrendous. Meets someone lovely. They die horrendous. <laughs> And it's just continuing. Yeah. They don't get a break. Yeah. yeah. I really liked them as a character, though. I thought overall they were mm. just fair. You could just tell they have a good moral compass 
and they know what they want. They were always the one who was so in control and always even tempered. And as the audio drama progresses, you start to see that slip. So things like whipping the old naval captain. Mm, Yes. Goodness me, the violence in this. And then them getting absolutely plastered and being found at the most dodgy pub. And yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing that you see at the beginning, they seem so put together and, you know, and the one who's out of control. And Mm. then actually you see what happens towards the end. You know, they're the one who's really lost Mm -hmm. it in comparison. Yeah, that's a really good point because I never really thought about that at all. It's this kind of slow demise. Mm. The interception of that was becoming a pirate, falling in love with... Anne and then I never quite got whether there was like a whole Anne Jack Mary situation I always got the sense it was Anne and Mary Anne and Jack and that was always kept separate and then Oliver Marlowe comes along what does make sense for their character was protection seeing someone vulnerable and possibly connecting with that vulnerability Mm -hmm. and not wanting to see someone who doesn't deserve to be harmed and I guess that's what connected her to Oliver Marlowe but he was just not the one leave him alone (laughs) why are you marrying him like stop stop this and the fact like they got into like a duel for Oliver this guy is not worth losing your life do you know what I mean let him fight his own battle (laughs) the pinnacle of their downfall was all because of a man really yeah yeah and i guess that's yeah i guess that really speaks to the common story of women because they end up pregnant and well the hormones of pregnancy make you more generally women tend to become more protective or instinctive around their newborn or their future born child so that kind of slipping element could also be down to the fact that actually their life has changed in a way that was completely out of their control. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I don't want it to sound like women lose their mind when they get pregnant because I don't think that's the case. I just think that there is a (laughs) a distinct change that comes about. And for someone like Mark, who has control, who is always even-tempered, as you said, Ellie, that change in their body is just going to be, now everyone will know I'm a woman. What does this mean Mm. for me? And in, in a time like that, where it just wasn't even safe... I really felt, I really felt for them. There was just no letting up in this story. Like, no one got away except for freaking Anne. What the hell? I know. <laughs> it just was like, at the end, wasn't it? It's like, oh, she's got a rich dad, so. Exactly. Right. Yeah. How money controls everything. Literally, money saves your life. Yeah. I did want to ask, because we all listened to this on Audible, how thrown were you by the photographic portrayals Audible uses versus the voice actors? Yeah, it's completely different. They're like different <laughs> humans. Are they, Which is, are they composite? Like, why would you not just use the voice actors? I was really confused by that. Do you want to know something really embarrassing? I remember thinking, looking at the photo and being like, wow, it's amazing that they got voice actors that actually look like how the characters are described. And after I was like, oh, obviously these are just no. essentially <laughs> models to go with the piece. Which is such a strange thing to do. Or is that? I don't know. I don't know if it's common practice or not, but I don't know why you wouldn't just use the... I guess, I don't know, if you're a voice actor, maybe you're like me. I'm a producer and I hate being on mic. Maybe it's like if you're a voice actor, you're like, no, I don't want to... The whole point is... Oh, you said that guy was in TV. Yeah. Yeah, all of them were. All of them were actors. Mark Mary is... um, Erin Doherty. Princess Anne in The Crown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't just use them. Yeah. And they're in all the promo. It was a very odd choice and it really threw me off because I kept picturing the characters. But then I heard Erin Doherty as Mark Mary. And then I was like, wait, but that's Princess Anne from The Crown. Wait, but Princess Anne is really posh and they're really common. I don't understand. My mind was literally just blown all over the place. (laughs) Could you guys see this being a film or a play? 
yeah. instead, like a really visual mm-hmm. piece. God, it'd be so fun as a play. I, think I would so. go and yeah. see that. I would love to see how they would create that. You could do loads of staging. Oh, it would make yeah. such a good pento, but, you know, an adult one. It really would be great mm. in the theatre. I would happily go and see that. Yeah, I think I so. I also loved uh, talking about it being as a play. I did like the whole running theme of a sea shanty going through and the mm. songs, which would be good yeah. on stage. <laughs> yeah, I, that is a good point, actually, because Karina is a stage writer, she definitely would have had that in mind as she's pulling this together. Like, it does feel very Mm -hmm. theatrical. Mm -hmm. The moments that really stood out for me the most was when Anne is trying to look for Mary and she's with that captain, I think it's Bayard, and then he tries... She's she's stealing from him and then he basically captures her and pins her down. And then it gets really mm-hmm. violent very, very quickly. And then the moment when mm-hmm. Mark starts killing that guy and he's clearly kicking him in the head. Yeah, kick him in really the head. brutal. It sounded so graphic. <laughs> and I was just like, mm. the violence, I would love to see this on stage. Like, those were the moments <laughs> I was just like, I want to yeah, see I it. <laughs> I want to see the blood Amber's spray. Amber's like, I like the sea shanties. And Imriel's like, murder! <laughs> yeah, there's me being all romantic and poetic. <laughs> Every time I think of Hellcat, that's the moment that I come back to. Mm-hmm. How graphic the sound design was with some of those violent moments. The sound design was phenomenal throughout. But there was mm-hmm. just something very, like, visceral. Maybe it's because it's violence against women. We had just listened mm-hmm. to Men Who Hate Women by Laura Bates. And here are these guys who are being predators and taking ownership of women's bodies and then the women exact their revenge and I was just bloodthirsty <laughs> and I was ready for him to die. <laughs> how would um how would you shorten it down then to a play? Because I think that's what's so great about having it as a series like this. It can go into depth, like it can carry on and be as long as it wants. And I don't think there were any bits where it was it wasn't needed. I enjoyed everything. Yeah, that's a good question. Really good question. You could cut out one of the attempts of Anne's husband. Yeah, James like, Bonnie. He was relentless, which I think was obviously it's hard because you want to get that across. But also I did find myself on the final attempt being like, again? <laughs> <laughs> He's like Robocop or the Terminator. Yeah, exactly. With that character, he was so, it was like his masculinity was being threatened or something like yeah. that. And his only way of being a man was having his wife and this is my possession. Because I think every time that someone else speaks to them, no one likes him because he's, he's not a pirate, yeah. but he doesn't do good at the same time. He's just a right wuss, really. And so Anne was his only way of really being the man that he is. Under the law of the land, she is my property and belongs to me. Yeah, that thing that gave him his confidence. Mm-hmm. To I, mean, him, I love I think. the drama of him not being a pirate. How are you finding Audiobook Club so far? Do you think you want to jump in and get involved? Why not head over to contentisqueen.org news to attend our next event and taping? Or send us your thoughts, questions and suggestions on WhatsApp via 077154088831. And if you're listening from another country, that's plus 447715408831. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review and share it with a friend. If you love audiobooks as much as we do and can never decide what to listen to next, check out the You Heard It Here First podcast, where you'll get honest reviews of audiobooks, podcasts and dramas available on Audible. You can subscribe today on your favourite podcast player.
Now it's time to introduce someone that can probably answer all of our unanswered questions. We have Hellcats writer Karina Rodney joining us. Welcome to Audio Book Club, Karina. Nice to meet you. It's good to be here. It's such an honour to have you here. We've been gushing over the drama and have so many questions for you. Could you start off by introducing yourself to us? Hi, I'm Karina Rodney and I'm a writer. We're really excited. We've just been having a very voracious chat about all the things we loved about it. I don't think any of us had anything we didn't love, really. We're just like, how the hell did you pull this off? Um, So we're quite keen to get our questions in. And I have a couple of questions from people that couldn't make it. With us today, we have Amber and Ellie, both who work in audio. I am Imriel and I also work in audio. So naturally, we we have formed the Audio Book Club (laughs) because we are audio bookworms. I guess like to kick things off, it'd be good to know how you came across the story of Anne Bonny and Mary Reed or Mark Reed in the first place. And then what inspired you to create an audio drama and podcast from it instead of your natural habitat, which is on the stage and in visuals? Well, I came across them years ago. I can't remember how. I think I just read a a story about them and I was so fascinated by them. And then I was part of a writing group that was about Northern voices and Northern stories. And I thought, I'm going to write this as my, you know, pitch episode. So I wrote a pilot, a TV pilot for Anna Mary, which was very different from the opening episode for audio. And um, we all got a chance to pitch to the head of drama at the BBC. Yeah, but before we went in, he sort of announced that he didn't want anything on water because water (laughs) was really expensive. And then I had to go and pitch to him when everyone else had kitchen sink dramas. Yeah, my opening scene was three ships in the Caribbean. (laughs) It was the most excruciating, like fifteen minutes. Yeah, it was awful. And then I just kept them, and I kept adding to my file of them, and thinking I'll never be able to do this. You are a writer and you also do stuff for stage as well. So would there have been a difference in the way that you had put this together, knowing that it's now going for audio as opposed to a visual medium? Oh, completely. I I, I revisited it from the start. It was a page one rewrite on the episode I had done. And Audible allows you to move very swiftly without worrying about locations and settings having to physically change. So it gives you a much broader scope to tell a story and you don't have to be doing that budget in the back of your head about how often you're moving things or physically moving your characters. You can be there in like the click of a finger, just take them Mm. somewhere completely different. Yeah, that's kind of the joy of audio, isn't it? Like no one can see what you're doing, so you can basically fake it a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, did you have any questions for Karina that you wanted to throw out into the mix? Yeah, I've got one. So I think one of the things that we've spoken about that we really loved about this is how rich it is with all the characters and it really creates a world that really immerses you. And I was saying just before you joined that it's been a long time since I've listened to an audiobook that captivated me as much as that. And I'm wondering when it comes to taking this idea that you have, how do you build a world that is so full of detail with different characters and different voices? How do you achieve that? I mean, Audible were brilliant with me because they never put any limitations on and I Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Never asked how many actors I was allowed. So I actually wrote more. They, they Some of them doubled up and tripled up on parts. And I was so lucky I kind of got to do that. So I always had my main characters. All the main characters are historical characters that were connected to the Anna Mary story. So James and the governor and Jack and Pierre. And then... I had to have enough of a pirate ship that when they split their teams, Anna and Mary went off on their own. They had enough pirates to work that, and Jack did. So I sort of built from the top down, but also thinking about what these additional characters represented and reflected about a very diverse community that would have existed at, at that time in those places. And I was lucky that Audible didn't just say, you're only allowed 10 people. <laughs> What has been the reaction like for you to the book? What do you call it? Do you call it a podcast? An audio drama, I think. Yeah, that's what we've been calling it. (laughs) You know, you're not supposed to look at your reviews, but I have obsessively, of course, every (laughs) morning. You know, and it's been so lovely to see people really engaging with the story and feeling sort of immersed in it. Mm -hmm. I, of course, completely resent the four people who gave it one star because they couldn't (laughs) download it. That is so classic Audible reviewer. (laughs) Isn't it classic? I couldn't get it to work on my phone. One star for everything. (laughs) So it's like, I really shouldn't fixate on that, but I am a bit fixated (laughs) on the unfairness of it. Um, So it's been been wonderful. There's been a a lot of responses to people with those amazing searches from Amanda Cotton, which are just so beautiful. And I I can't wait to see them. Yeah, I have been been really enjoying the reviews in a sort of shameless, like obsessive way. (laughs) That's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) I can't can't say otherwise. I mean, it's a story you've held on to for ages and it's finally out in the world. So I guess... Do you feel you've released it and you can move on to other things now? Or do you? is there more of that story that you want to tell? Are you able to let it go, basically? I don't know if I can let it go. <laughs> I, would, I would love to see it. I would love to see it on the, the screen as well. I know mm. audio gave me absolute freedom in how I could imagine it. There was never reined in once and they just mm. let me do it exactly how I wanted, <laughs> which I can't imagine any other medium giving me that freedom. But I would quite like to see it. And I have been thinking... 
what would happen to their daughters? Mm. You know, Ooh, yeah. oh, what would Anne be up to in London? But what about their daughters? And then I was thinking, highway women, would their daughters be? <laughs> so I, I just, that. you know, and I just think <laughs> maybe they, maybe I could just do it by generations. So I never have to let them go. <laughs> you know. What's a modern day? <laughs> yeah. Anne wouldn't go quietly off, I don't think. <laughs> so her famous line about, you know, if you fought like a man, you wouldn't have to hang like a dog was recorded in the details about the court case. And it was actually Captain Barnett who did capture them. And it was absolutely true that they fought for an hour while the men were drunk in the hold. Oh, wow. <laughs> we were just talking about that scene. The violence was just... So yummy and gross at the same time, but mostly yummy. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. We have a question from a lady who wanted to attend but couldn't. Her name's Abigail. She said, when you heard your script performed, how did it compare to the way it sounded in your head during the writing process? Well, first of all, I had such a brilliant director in Kate Saxon and such an amazing cast. I thought they'd been given an impossible task because they had to record it in 10 working days. Oh my God. Wow. Because, and 56 actors, because of lockdowns, the Audible studios went open. So they had to have, they had a two week gap in the only lockdown studios in London. And they could only have, I think it was five or six at a time in individual booths. So they could only see each other on the screen. So they weren't, I thought, how are they going to buzz off each other and play off each other? And so when I heard it, I just couldn't believe what a brilliant job they'd done. I mean, 10 days, I was just like, this 10 hours? It was 10 hours originally of script. And they were recording like an hour a day. Oh my God. I'm actually like that's amazing. dumbfounded. That is insane. So what that's, you know, all kudos to Kate and the cast because they were fantastic and the production team. But I just was, how are they going to do this? That is wild. I had no idea it was produced in such a short period of time. Oh, that's awesome. I love Pierre. Pierre was my, yes, my personal favourite character. <laughs> I live for him and the Caribbean lady who testifies at the end against him. I found a newspaper article with yeah. a testimony in and a court transcript. I mean, they did rob her canoe. No and she was up, Yeah, so it's one of the few actually completely verified sources and witness statements. And she was so annoyed and feisty. And I thought, <laughs> oh my goodness, she's going to be brilliant. She was actually in court recorded as uh, saying, well, how did you know there were women if they were dressed as men? And she was just like, by the largeness of their breasts. <laughs> and that's, you know, court testimony. <laughs> that's amazing. I think this leads nicely on to one of the questions a listener submitted. Hey, I'm Quan. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this. It's such a cool concept. So thank you for creating this space. I did have a question because I loved that you included the black characters, Pierre, and I think her name is Dorothy. Are they real? And if they are real, or based on real people. How did you come up with this? How did you find them? I want to know more. Thanks again. Pierre was only briefly referenced as a character in the historical records I could find as probably Jack's lover, who was a part-time pimp, but also a, a tailor and had this amazing dress shop and 
And I just thought, well, he sounds fantastic. So I just built him from the ground up. But Governor Woods Rogers is really well referenced. There's different accounts of James, but the fact that he was a pirate who really wasn't, who had taken the pardon or had squealed on other pirates. So there's quite a lot out there. Some of the stories that are there conflict. But even some of the minor characters like Dorothy Thomas in the court trial i mean her testimony is recorded so there's actually direct quotes some of them have that were attributed to the people so it was just about reading really everything i could find and then thinking about what served the story that i wanted to tell what i could build on what i could imagine and develop so it became mine it's not a documentary i always start with characters characters that i find interesting and then thinking about how they react when you put them in certain situations. If your characters are interesting enough, you can put them anywhere and they'll give you a story. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask, is how much of it is fact and how much of it is fiction? Because you're saying that they've gone through all these wild stories. Are majority of them true? When you start buying things online and buying books about them and reading accounts, you realise everything's come from the general history of pirates, which was an account of famous pirates that was written, uh, published two years after Anna Mary's trial. And variations of that story has just been retold. But the problem is, beyond a few facts, is we don't know how much of that account is absolutely historically accurate. So we know they existed, we know about the trial, we know they dressed as men, we know they fought almost to the death together to protect each other. And then there's variations of that. So I found the historical records that I could, I accessed some things through the Q archives, read everything I could, and then thought, well, no one's got a definitive account, so what's the story I want to tell? It's, I suppose, in the same way as stories told of the Peaky Blinders or Robin Hood, that we know that things are grounded in fact, but even what's considered fact and truth is often can be hearsay. So there's no, for instance, records of Mary's army time that I could find it's only reference that she served in the army and has been told and passed down that she did. And of course, with them being women, perhaps her stories weren't recorded and told or written in the same detail. Mm -hmm. But quite a lot's known about them and specifically the trial. Your retelling will also be part of the archive or the capsule that is their story as well. I think so. I could imagine. I mean, they would spend a fortune when they came into port, like the equivalent of thousands of pounds on a night out and they would be completely pimped up with gold and jewels and their own image was everything. And I just think it must have been wild new Providence there. There were more pirates than non-pirates. And at That's one awesome. point, Blackbeard, before Governor Wood Rogers appeared, Blackbeard ruled it. He was their sort of unofficial ruler. And they could spend the equivalent of 20 years wages for a normal person in, in a night in port. And I just think I could just imagine them strutting about and image was everything and status mm. was everything and respect was everything. And the thought of these two working class women, well, I know Anne ended up with money, but she's from a poor background originally, inhabiting that world and ruling it and ruling their own ship is very appealing. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't realise it was that well detailed. I thought it was bits of missing history and newspaper excerpts here and hearsay there. But it's quite cool that there was actually like some solid material to build off of as the foundation. But I did want to talk about Kate Saxon, the director. 
what was it like working with audio producers, audio directors? And did you find that it was quite a collaborative production where you quite hands-on and involved throughout the whole production process? It was. I did the writing sort of on my own. Um, the support was there when I needed it and for the notes at the end. And then Kate came in after the show had been written. And she's very dynamic, um, a very creative director. And she did an incredible job. And she worked very closely with casting and with the producer and with me on tweaks and the rewrites that needed to be done quite close to the bone. Mm. And I really felt she brought her own energy to it. And she suited the show because it is very plot driven. It, it is fast moving. There's no narrator. It just moves with the characters. And it was great having a female director as well mm. on board. And we've carried on discussions afterwards, Kate and I, and I'd love Ooh. to work with her again. We're hoping to work together again on something. What a scoop. I'm so excited to see what that <laughs> is. <laughs> the sound design is something we've been commenting on. Amber, you mentioned the shanties and the songs. I mean, I think... It was right up there. And when it was beyond the plot being fantastic and the writing being fantastic, the directing being fantastic, the sound design also just was the icing on this very epic tiered cake. And it really dropped you in. It was super immersive. And what also just the cherry on top were these shanties and the songs that appear throughout the, the series. And I want to know, how did you go about writing and selecting the music? Was that always at the forefront of your mind, that there has to be this musical element in the story? I was lucky that the cast were such brilliant singers. I mean, Michelle and Erin have beautiful voices. But I saw sort of sea shanties that I hoped reflected the tone of particular scenes. And then Matthew kind of reset them because they didn't match the music exactly, and he, he's so talented. And they wrote an original score to weave through the, the um, story. But the shanties are sort of of their time as well. Mm. Did you have to research pirate shanties? Yes, <laughs> I did. I researched all sorts of strange things. So, yeah, I, I did a lot of listening to shanties as well. And Matthew just built on what I put into the script and improved it and told his own story through music, which is so beautiful. It's such a blessing. I, I'm, I feel so privileged to have that as an element of the story. Yeah, it's really nice. It was a really small but touching feature that put you right, right on the ship decks and <laughs> made yeah. you feel like you're part of this world. Do you have a favourite scene or a moment in the story now that it's come to life? I'm not, I've not really thought about a favourite scene. I do like the scenes when it's Anne and Mary together and there's a scene where they go to a ball and they're both dressed up. Mary very reluctantly is dressed as a woman and seeing them in these different environments and then instead of blending in, the environment is just kind of crushed by them. They're unable to behave sensibly or logically in some ways. They're just set off with the best intentions and their wild temperaments just run away with them. So I yeah. think any scenes when I see them responding to any environment that's trying to crush them, they just fight back. They're impossible to restrain and I love that about them yeah they're so naughty the two of them especially <laughs> that Anne oh my god <laughs> I know she's really infuriating but I love her speaking of Anne 
when we were discussing the podcast, you know, I think collectively none of us were particular fans of Anne Bonny. We've got a really great question here from a listener called Misha. So let's hear what she had to say. Hello, my name's Misha. I really love the story, especially the feisty representation of Anne. But I still feel there's not enough of those types of character in literature. Although I have seen some change with characters like Relinell in Killing Eve and Aunt Lydia in Handmaid's Tale. I'd love to know how you feel about Anne as a character and her role as an anti-hero. Well, strangely, Anne's the one that everyone kind of knows about if you know about these two women. And Mary gets sidelined as not being as glamorous or as exciting, but Mary is the one you want in your corner. Mm. She is a good person, stubborn, pig-headed sometimes, but good. But Anne, I love writing with her and being with her as a character because she was endlessly creating drama and more problems but as a person she would she would drive you mad and I think as a friend you would have to love her to have her as a friend and I think Mary does deeply love her. She kind of strikes as the kind of person where if you did go out with her you'd take your eyes off her for 30 seconds and you'd turn around she'd be fighting with the bouncer. (laughs) Yeah because she's impossibly selfish and she's impulsive and she's spoilt none of which are nice traits But I find her really compelling, but not a particularly rounded person. You know, she's not a nice woman, but that's a good thing, I think, as well. I really like Mary slash Mark's character and, and their development throughout the story is just so remarkable and so fascinating, even down to the kind of marrying Oliver. The unworthy Oliver. Yeah, it was really wonderful to see the character development there because... There was something of, clearly they both had these really conflicting things inside themselves, or at least society was forcing them to be conflicted about their identity and how they portrayed themselves. And yet, I think Mary's choice to marry Oliver through this almost protective paternal instinct towards him, which just really solidified her character in that way and her confidence in her character to be like, I am your protector. You are giving off like these more quote-unquote feminine traits Mm. of needing to be protected. And I thought that was just like a really interesting dynamic. I don't know if that was the intention, but that's how I I saw and heard and looked at their relationship and their dynamic, even though he ended up being a massive tool. He did end up being a massive tool. And it is in the record that's told of them from the time that she did fall in love with them. Some people say he's a doctor. There was one record as an artist, which I went with. And that she did find that jewel that she won by shocking that man by revealing her breasts at the last minute. And then he kind of just disappeared from the story. And I was interested in what happened and what that represented. And it's for Mary, it's, I think that rejection is not to do with particularly him being a man, but she did protect him. She did the right thing. She was to lie for him. And the fact of being overlooked or rejected, I think she struggles with rejection, Mary. But it is a protective thing. She knows she's stronger than him. She knows she's a better fighter. She knows he's only safe, connected to her. And then the fact that he hasn't been honest with her honesty is such the line in the sand for Mary. You know, she demands honesty. She can't bear to be lied to or liars. Yeah, but he is an unworthy man for her, I think. That is exactly what the word is. He is truly (laughs) unworthy. I was so annoyed with him (laughs) throughout. Just like, oh my God, Mary, what are you doing? Stop. Let's go to Khalid for his question. 
Hi, Karina. My name is Khalid. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I just wanted to talk a bit about James Bonney, who I guess, quite frankly, becomes the ultimate villain in Hellcats, but he's like a secondary character. So was that always your intention with him? I quite like James. I think he's a fraud and I think he's weak in some ways, but he has a measure of Anne as well. And he can be very charming and he can be very manipulative. And I like staying with him so much that in the end, my producer was saying, why have you brought him back again? He's in another scene. He needs to die soon. You keep bringing him back. But I I enjoyed him. I enjoyed how he played off with Anne. He's a match for her. They're both selfish. They're both people who are about fulfilling their own needs. And he has a better of her sometimes. Mm. So like James, I never wanted to get rid of him. I hope I've left it slightly open. I think he might even come back. I'd like him to come back. Is that a hint at another potential series in the future i would love to i've written in a way that i've left that um, room for me to come back and i'd love to i'd like to stay with them and stay with some of these characters brilliant we've got a question here from joseph let's see what he wants to know hi karina i'm joseph now that it's all finished and you've listened to the final product has your relationship changed with any other characters No, I did feel more frustrated with Anne. I'm I'm a bit like a protective mother with Anne, so I'm always, like, making excuses for her. But I could hear myself thinking, what are you doing? Shut up. Stop it. And I'd made her do all those things, so I don't know what what I was playing at. But I think I found the scenes very moving with Anne and Mary where there was tenderness between them and those private moments. And I actually found it very moving when they were in prison as well. Yeah, that's when I probably came to like Anne the most, yeah. is that the, there's a tenderness and a vulnerability that I think really shone through when they were both in prison, knowing that she really couldn't get them out of that situation in the way that she wanted to. I think that's when she really came into her own and you could see some of that humanity that may have been lacking <laughs> before. And she didn't admit it. I mean, Mary admitted it when she said, I'm poor and I'm going to die here. And I thought she knows and dressing up in a stupid dress isn't going to change it and isn't going to be true to who they are. And I think Annie's in so much denial that when you see that denial crack a little and you think she's going to be lost without Mary. I feel like it would be remiss not to touch on the kind of queer narrative that runs throughout this story. It would have been a surprise for many people listening who wouldn't have expected that at all. And was the inclusion of that, that queer narrative, that maybe possibly transgender, Mm non-binary, these identities coming through, was that a deliberate choice to include and to include it so prominently in their story? Well, it was, uh, has always been a part of their narrative. It was even referenced at the time, their sort of unnatural relationship and the fact that they also had male lovers and the fact that Jack had male lovers. And I found that interesting now in terms of the ongoing discussions about gender representation and how inspiring, I suppose, to have two people who's message, I mean, there's not a, a message I'm trying to run home here, but that to be free to represent your sexuality, your gender, your preferences in a way that feels true to you, regardless of society, 
and to live your true life. And whether you have to create a separate world where you do this like they did on sea as well, where they could set their own rules and live their life truly how they wanted to do, I find quite inspirational. I mean, as I was doing the research, I discovered things like there was a contract that existed called a metalogue, and it was a marriage contract between pirates, predominantly male pirates, like a marriage ceremony. And it meant that if you died in action or as part of the ship, your rewards or your treasures or whatever you owned would be transferred to your partner, your male partner. And I just think, you know, we're having these discussions now about people and how they live in a way that's authentic and true to them. And that is seen as sometimes as problematic. And this was going on hundreds of years ago. Mm, You know, and I think the message Anna Mary Jack Pierre have is to be unapologetically yourself, fiercely yourself, to own that and to hell with everyone else. (laughs) Exactly. We were saying, actually, weren't we, we'd love to see it on the stage. If you did see it on the big screen, do you have any dream actors that you can see playing Anne and Mary. You know, I'm so fixated on the audio cast. I haven't really considered it. Do you? I do. I think Elliot Page, formerly known as Ellen Page, would be a great Mark and Mary. And I also think Rose Leslie, who was in Game of Thrones, would be a really good Anne. I think she's just got the face and the features for it. Perfect. Those are perfect choices. I found myself constantly just looking up from listening and being like, where is the screen? Because drama is unfolding and I want to see what it is. But it's obviously playing in my head and it was just completely trippy. But it was also such a testament to the sound design and how it was directed and put together that it's just, do we need the visuals to take away from our imagination? There was a question that did come up in our discussion was, you know, did Anne take off with Mary's child into the sunset (laughs) and what happened to the children (laughs) well nobody knows so there's a grave for mary but no one knows if it's actually her grave in jamaica and the rumors was always that anne had got away because of her father probably turned up and rescued her they just disappeared from the records so even though they were both meant to stay until they'd had their babies and then be hung There's no record of that happening. There's records of them being sentenced and records of them being pregnant and then they both just disappear. That's so crazy. With the rumour is that, well, people presume that Mary died in prison because of the grave marker, which is quite nearby, and there's no record at all. That's just insane. And I just thought, you know, she's got to get out, she's got to take at least Mary's girl. Yeah, she probably is on the high seas again. It looks like we've come to the end of the show. How do you feel? Have we made you want to go back to the beginning of Hellcat and start the adventure all over again? I know I've gone back to listen to Dorothy Thomas's testimony a few times. Don't forget that you can become an audio bookworm. And yes, that does include if you've read and not listened to the book. Our next event is on Sunday, the 24th of January at 4pm London time, where we will be discussing Queenie by Candice Carty-Williams. You can register at contentisqueen.org forward slash ABC2 or find everything you need in the show notes so you don't miss out. If you can't bear to wait a month for your next audiobook fix, and boy, is that hard, 
Check out You Heard It Here First, the podcast that helps you find your next listen on Audible. You can subscribe and listen to it on your favorite podcast player today. A huge thank you to our audio bookworms, Ellie and Amber, and our special guest, Karina Rodney. This was a Content is Queen production. Hosted by me, Imriel Morgan. Produced by Amber Miller and Imriel Morgan. The featured guest was Karina Rodney. The clips used were from Audible original podcast and audio drama, Hellcats. The music and sound effects are sourced from Epidemic Sound. And a huge thank you to everyone who contributed a question via the voice notes. That's all for now. See you next month. See you.